never let life hold you down. Tell me your story. Don't worry, be happy, down, upside, frown. Tell me your story. Motivation, inspiration, uplifting and giving. Tell me your story. Inspiration, motivation, it's your life, so keep living. Welcome to Tell Me Your Story with Monique Manon. The world needs to know my next guest, Kevin Ayega Jeff, and his illustrious career as a playmaker in the dance world, choreographer, dancer, founder of uh, dance company Jubilation at the tender age of 21 only. You heard it, 21. And now his company, Deeply Rooted, has just celebrated its 25th anniversary. It's my pleasure and honor to introduce to you Kevin Ayega, Jeff. Welcome, Kevin Ayega. Hey, Monique. How are you? Fantastic. I'm so honored and 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 I'm so thrilled to have you. This is so amazing. I I want to let's start from the beginning. Like, where are you from? Uh, who or what inspired you to pursue dance? I am from Jamaica, Queens, New York. Um, some people call it Springfield Gardens, Queens, because it's right adjacent to Kennedy Airport. And that mm -hmm. area is called Springfield Gardens. And actually, when I was a, a baby, um, and my parents moved there and bought the home, that was planting fields all around the airport. There were planting fields. There were cows and chickens and corn and all this stuff. It's amazing. Because if you go back now, it's all... Buildings. buildings and concrete and city and all of that stuff. So I've been around a while yeah. and I grew up in Springfield Garden, Queens, New York. Who inspires me? Um, I have to say the first conscious inspire, in, inspirational person for me was um, a few people. Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, um we were learning about black, the little bit of black history that we had in, in school. And of course we learned about Harriet Tubman. Right. And, um, and also Malcolm X. And so it was always people. And then I can point to people um, throughout history, like Ocknaton and, and other people that made people possible, so to speak, that really worked on behalf of humanity. And that's what really inspires me most. Anyone that does any kind of work to enhance and um, mm -hmm. make humanity better are, are my champions, essentially. Right. Right. So but in dance, I would say how that translates in dance is that when I found um, a studio in Jamaica, Queens, Bernice Johnson Dance Studio, where I met Miss, Miss Johnson, BJ, as we called her. Right. And also at BJ's studio was Leah Co. Thompson, those were my first two apparent and powerful mentors. And, mm -hmm. um, and I hold them near and dear every day of my life. And what age was that? Woo, that was um, when I went to the studio. The first time I went, because I, I went at about age, must have been about 10 or 11, um, when I first wanted to dance. And um, how did, I found out about BJ somehow, and I can't remember exactly how then, but I went to the studio, I attended like one or two classes, and I didn't continue my training. Everything was a blur at that age for some reason, but for mm -hmm. some reason I didn't continue. Right. So I fast forward a few years. Wait, hold up, hold that thought before you fast forward. Hold that thought because 
a lot of divas, divos came from BJ's, like dance studio, like yourself. Uh, uh, any inspiration of the the divas and divos that came from uh, Miss uh, Your Highness Bernice Johnson? Absolutely. Um, I could say Michael Peters, Lester Wilson, Gary Chapman, Francis oh. Morgan, Elaine DeChavis, oh. um, Donna Copper, Keith Simmons. Oh Listen, I could go on and on, on and on. And on and on. On and on and on. Incredible dancers, incredible people. People that not only danced in the field, but went on to choreograph, to direct, to teach to uh, work behind the, behind the scenes as stage managers, production managers, all kinds of levels. I mean, she's really had an incredible impact on the right. field on so many levels. It, it was her training like solely dance-based or she also trained them like to look beyond and, 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 and have a bigger, you know, vision? That's a really good question. What I know about, about BJ is that she trained, she did train as a dancer. Um, she was a cotton club dancer, and during those years, she also studied with um, Agnes DeMille. Ah. So her breadth of dance was pretty broad, you know, it was pretty wide. And, and she would say, because especially being a Black dancer at the time, you had to be able to do everything right. in order to have a viable career and survive. And I think it's probably pretty much the same. Right, <laughs> and that's why all the dancers from there came out, triple tracks, when they came right. to the studio. Right. That's right. That's right. With technical ability, you could have been a principal dancer in any dance company of your chosen. Who or what inspired you to do be so bold and start your own dance company? Well, I would say... I was 21. I was 21. I, well, you know, it's interesting because the first dance show that I produced was called Jubilation. Mm -hmm. And I did that at the age of 19. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I had performed on Broadway. Um, I went on Broadway um, and I performed in two shows. I did The Wiz and then I did Coming Up Town. So I was in the original company. Not I wasn't the original cast member, but I went into the original company of The Wiz. And I worked with a lot of the original people, including Stephanie Mills and all these incredible dancers. Ken Page. Say again? Ken Page. Ken Page, yes. Ken Bear. <laughs> incredible voice. You, wait a minute, how old were you? Because you weren't just studying at, at PA, the, the uh, performing arts. It's like, you, that's the, you guys, PA is, fame is, is based after PA. It's yeah. performing arts high school. And yeah. so you were still in the high school when you got that, wasn't it? I was, yes. Yeah. Matter of fact, um, I didn't go, I couldn't go to my prom because I had to work. And, um, you know, so literally um, towards the end of my senior year, I was dancing on Broadway the last few weeks. And what a blessing. Yeah. What a blessing. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, besides uh, Bernice Johnson School of Dance, there was also Madame Darvash and, and uh, you know, there was uh, Ailey, because you also went to Ailey as well. Was there anybody else? Are we missing anybody else that, that were? Well, I mean, you the mentioned the, my key schools, the schools that shaped me was Bernice Johnson. Then I went, she prepared me for my audition for Performing Arts High School. And I was, in, of course, at PA for four years while I was attending Bernice Johnson simultaneously. Mm -hmm. I also attended the Ailey program um, a lot heavily during the summer. 
And strategically during the year, because I was going to Bernice Johnson and I was also, well, at that time I was going to Bernice Johnson and attending Ailey. So both schools worked out where the students could do both programs. And where was Bernice Johnson's studio? Because Ailey was in Manhattan on, yeah. on the Minskoff building on Broadway. Wow, let's go back further. In oh, I wasn't there. You were there then. Okay. I was in the building on 59th Street which is right, you know, right near, near the 59th Street Bridge. So that's mm -hmm. where I first went. Then they moved to the Minskoff building, of course. And which I started at. Now they have their own, their own beautiful yeah. building, which is great. And where was BJ's? Because how far did you have to travel every day? BJ's was in Jamaica, Queens. So that's a track. That's a little track. It's a track. Yeah, it was about um, to take the bus to the train to get to Manhattan, it would be about an hour and 15 minutes, at least right. yeah, on a good day, an hour and 15 minutes on a trafficy long day it would be about an hour and a half, hour and 45. And, and that not to mention trains breaking down or buses breaking down. Breaking down all that. Could you imagine having to get up to be in school at 8.20 at the bar in the morning? So right. yeah, I, that I had to get up in Jamaica, Queens, um, get on the bus, get on the train, get to Manhattan so I can be at the bar at um, Performing Arts High School. And then when I went on to the Juilliard School, the same thing. I, I oh, yes, the Juilliard as well. But yeah. excuse me, he means the bar, not the bar to go drinking. He means the ballet bar. Just <laughs> <laughs> clarification sake. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, when I was doing, when I was dancing on Broadway in the Wiz, I was also going to Juilliard at the same time. And wow. so um, that was great because my whole my whole career has always been a, a nice balance between um, conservatory study and um, uh, well conservatory study and and theory in terms of just higher education, mm -hmm. right? But then the real world application of performing and on Broadway at the time, or whether I was doing other types of projects um, coming up as a dancer in community where I, I had the opportunity to perform made all the difference in the world because it was right. a, a well-balanced learning. I think it was also a generation because I, you know, my, my feeling was the same thing coming from, you know, little young girl coming from all the way from Holland by myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, I had such a hunger you know, I was going to Joffrey Ballet, Graham, Ailey, and then I went to Jennifer Muller, and then I did Madame Garvash, I did Michael Owens, I did the Frank Hatchet, you know, yes. I wanted to get it all, yes. I wanted to take it all in. Yes, yes, yeah. I to some of those schools too, because they're, you know, we always dropped in to find out what we could learn from different people. So mm -hmm. a lot of those people touched my life as well. But mm -hmm. my, I would say, but my core schools were Bernie Johnson Dance Studio, the High School for the Performing Arts, the Alvin Ailey American Dance Center, Madame Dalbar School of Ballet, and the Juilliard School. Both right. my core um, schools yeah. that really shaped who I who I became. And at that time, because I know, um, you know, Sarita was telling me she was getting into Pilates. Did you get into Pilates as well at that time to to protect your body? Yeah, you know, I, I got into, I knew about Pilates and I had um, people like Linda Spriggs mm -hmm. and, and Shirley. Beautiful dancer, beautiful dancer. Another wonderful dancer and great colleague. Actually, Linda's a co-founder of Deeply Rooted. I can share that right. more about yeah. that later. Yeah. But um, Shirley Black Brown had these incredible teachers that were um, 
digging into um, Pilates and just healing techniques for the body. Um, mm -hmm. Linda taught me floor bar technique, and that was extremely instrumental to me maintaining my instrument. My mentor, Akul, taught me about eating and talked about the energies in creation and how we should be careful about mm -hmm. who we have in our lives and how we engage in and, and, and how we engage people in our lives because um, he made me well aware of eating and karma and, um, you know, just being aware of the energies of, of creation. Is yeah. that, is that the, the, that who gave you your spiritual name? Is that where your name you came know, from? It's a great question. He did not give me my spiritual name, but he gave me the mechanisms by which to choose it. And so um, is it my, I chose my name through um, comedic numerology. Mm -hmm. I, when I made my first trip to Egypt, which I call Kemet, its original name, I um, chose my name sitting on the Great Pyramid at Giza. So mm -hmm. with that, with that numero numerology system that he gave me, you know, so um, I, I sat there, I did my prayer, my meditation. I wrote down my name based on the system And I just kind of lived with it for a few moments. Or actually, I was there for about a couple of hours. And then finally, it came to me. You know, I think when I first went, I thought it was going to be this like, oh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it wasn't that. It just kind of crept up on me inside of my intuition and my intellect. And I, and I knew that that was the right name. And the older I've gotten, the more I've, I've lived with it, the, the, the more I understand how, how really important it's been in my life and, and helped to keep me anchored and guided me. It's still mm. through. Is, yeah. there, is there a meaning? Does it Iyengar mean anything? Yeah, it translates as messenger. Okay? <gasps> and the context... How it take for you? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, I tell you, it's been, a, it's been a great name for me. And I'm going to give you the, the context for messenger is really that um, to be responsible because what you convey as an artist conveys messages. Mm -hmm. So the name is there in that context, is that whatever my message is, we all have a message to, to convey in life. Mm -hmm. Whatever we're doing in life, if you're engaging with people, you are communicating in some way. And so inside of that communication, I think it's just really important to be thoughtful and to be um, responsible. Yeah. And present. And present, yeah, and present. Because, you know, words, you know this, Monique, words are powerful. Powerful. You know, words are extremely powerful. And I think that sometimes in this culture, um, when I say this culture, I mean, you know, the living in the West, living in America, that we're so inundated with um, things, you know? Fast, 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 fast. Fast and the material aspects of life, which all has its place, because you have to you have to have the spiritual, the intellectual, the physical, and the material, right? But those things are in balance with your spirit. Spirit leads. I believe that spirit leads, and so I think that what guides spirit is what we say and how we interact with what we say. So I think um, being mindful of of that energy is really important. Wow! Wow! I, um, you, you have been known and praised for your rigor and technical ability as a dancer, but what I want people to understand is your ability to incorporate different dance forms like ballet, Graham, Horton, African dance, and more. What makes this possible for you as a dancer and a choreographer? 
I think um, probably coming up first and watching people do do their craft in a way where they understood techniques as vocabulary or just as um, tools. That's that's a better word. Tools that they could use to express themselves. So mm-hmm. it's not that you're a Graham dancer. It's not that you're a Horton dancer. It's not that you're an African dancer. Although if you are, it's fine to be those things, you know. Mm-hmm. But in my world, um, techniques are there to free up your individual voice. It's there to free up your instrument so that your instrument can do what it is that you want to communicate. Right. Okay. And it longevity. And it keeps you, it gives you longevity because te- that's what technique is about is for you to be able to have a coherent instrument to commu- to communicate for a long time. Mm-hmm. Technique is there um, to use not when you're feeling perfect. Technique is there for you to really use on the days where you're feeling lousy, mm-hmm. you know, so that you can transcend the physical in a comp- confident way where you can plug into the spiritual energy and really speak from that place. So right. that's why getting caught in dance as a technician has never been my interest. You know, um, the only reason for the pirouette, the only reason for the high extension, the only reason for the high leap, whatever that might be, is so that you can communicate an idea. That's the kind of work that I want, wanted to do. That's the kind of work that I've always been passionate about. Right, right. Um, your work has been featured in films like Spike Lee, She's Gotta Have It. Are there any other films and projects that you were part of that we should know about? Well, I think um, it's so interesting because my um, most of my work has been on stage and, um, and, and in communities. Mm-hmm. And um, so while I have choreographed for different commercial, a few commercial projects. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they don't stay present <laughs> in my mind. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been on the Academy Awards. I've, I've um, done, um, you know, films like, like you mentioned Spike's film. I've done a film with um, another artist. Um, who was that artist that I worked with years ago? Celine, Celine Dion, you know? And whatnot. So I've had my um, sunshine moments in terms of um, large industry projects. Mm -hmm. My purpose is really defined by uh, more of a grassroots connection to world class work. So hence, I founded my company and I'm now deeply rooted. Deeply rooted, (laughs) you know, um, and and I'm really um, excited in this phase of my life because I'm I'm now. Having grown an organization here in Chicago, um, that organ- my organization, our organization, is now primed to become an institution. And nice. we're building Please a- tell us about that. Please, that's such, so huge. It's so huge. Please yeah, tell us about that. It is huge. And I'm learning so much. And, um, you know, and so moved by the community that we've built here that's taking this project on. We're building a... Um, a project, a, a home for Deeply Rooted, which is called the Southside Center for Black Dance and Creative Communities. Okay. So the center is devoted to preserving Black dance, that's number one, to also the center is devoted to being a conservatory for dance excellence, and that the, the um, center is devoted to the Creative that's Communities awesome. program programming which is focused on um, community performance as a device for 
igniting um, community cre creativity. So if you could imagine a space that um, is not only a dance center, but a center where people come just to be who they are in creation, whether they are singers, whether they are citizen, citizen singers, I should say, citizen movers, right? Citizen costume designers, citizen um, 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 musicians, you know, do you come to this place um, yourself. Say, to express yourself and, and to learn about, if you've never had the opportunity to perform, then you'll learn about the performer within you, within you inside of this space. Or if you are a performer who's retired and you've gone on to other career opportunities, you can revisit yourself and, and recreate yourself through our Creative Communities Program. So I'm really excited about about that program because it breaks the silos, it breaks down the walls and it allows for people to really commune through the arts. And then you're also going to have like stages as well. So they boom, smack, performance ready. That's right. That's right. Yep. And That's we amazing. have, it'll be a, um, we'll have six state of the art studios in the, in the building and um, state of the art office space. Uh, we'll have a studio theater, which will seat 264 people. Um, we have a rooftop garden and a roof, a roof, a rooftop um, um, event space where you'll have the city skyline, um, uh, skyline. That's the word. The city skyline behind you as you interact and dance, music, songs, shows, whatever, shows, whatever we present. Mm -hmm. um, so the whole the center is again, and, and I, what I I'm also excited about the, the fact that. You have dance, you have art, but how about the connection to history? How about, mm -hmm. how about the connection to science? How about the connection to education in ways where we keep history, authentic history alive or history that's never been taught? We're mm -hmm. living in a, a time right now where they're telling us that they're going to remove Toni Morrison from, from bookshelves in schools. Now, what, what is that about, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to have spaces that preserves our culture, Black culture. But more than that, as, as important as, you know, as that is, we also have to have spaces that shows our human connection to each other. That's right. Because the racial paradigm exists because of our shortcomings, you know? Mm -hmm. So we have to deconstruct the construct of race so we can get to the construct, the reality, I should say, of humanity. And that's right. really what the center is all about. And, you know, but that's what I love about being, you know, about artistry. There's no color barriers, right? There's no, there, there is no color. It's just dance, sing, act, whatever. It's, there's no, it's like enough. Yeah, if, you in, if you come in a room and you're you're a brilliant singer, a brilliant dancer, you know, it goes right to the person's heart that's listening. That's right. You know? And then we can begin to say, question, well, why, if I'm holding some type of biases against this person I'm listening to, then what is what is that really about? Because it's not about their excellence. It's not about their humanity. It's not about their gift. You know, it's about mm -hmm. something that is working within me that I might need to take a look at. And that's the beauty of art is that I think that if you look at history, even art, artists have been able to go in places where um, bias exists and create change. So um, the center wants to continue to, that those traditions where we become better people in a nutshell. Right. 
I hope also that you you also have like a little space there to to remind the the new dancers or whatever that uh, that come in your space who paved the way for them. You know, that they know about the BJs, they know about the Ailey, they know about the Michael Peters and, and Fred Benjamin and, and name it. And you know what I mean? There's so many that have influenced me and I know you as well, Graham, you know, uh, there's so many. And it's like we have to keep putting them out there so they will be remembered. Right. That's it. I mean, that that, you know, dance is so fragile. And um, at least this generation, the more recent generations have the gadgets to capture it. Um, Excuse me, too. You can easily film something now. You can fortunately you can store it because of digital, the capabilities of digital storage and whatnot. So we definitely want to take advantage of that. But to to sustain the old history, a lot of it's going to be in memory, you know, a lot of it is going to be on footage that is um, decomposing, you know. So, so as we um, dream and, and, and make the center of the reality that we see it being, it's what's really critical is making sure that we have a way to hold the traditions, hold the history, so that we have archives that are well-preserved. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You know, in 2005, you were named as one of the Juilliard's 100 Outstanding Alumni in celebration of school 100th anniversary. You, you also got other awards like from National Endowment for the Arts, the National Council for Culture and Arts, and the BTAA Best Choreography Award for Church Nations. Uh, and you received a merit award from the International Association of Blacks in Dance, and you joined their board in 2006. How was it when when they celebrated you, those moments when you were receiving those and, 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 and well-deserved allocates, because, you know, you don't go out there to get those awards, but when it happens, how were those moments? That's a really good question. Yeah. You know, first of all, I'm thankful for all of the experiences of my life because they've shaped me. And, and when people value the work that I've done with other people, you know, it's it's just really um, heartfelt and very humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, it's probably my 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 presence to each of those events probably varied with my workload, <laughs> you know, and my and my level of um, whether it was level of stress, level of excitement, level of you know, life is like this. Right. <laughs> You know, I've had a great life, but it's been like this, you know. And so inside of the journey, um, there are some times when you're you're more present to the moment and you're like, wow, this has really happened, you know. And then there are other times where you're, you know, you're struggling to get through, you know. And then you look look back on it and you say, wow, like you, you reading that list, there are things that I literally in my mind and heart, I'm saying, wow, that really did happen to me. You know, and I can remember sometimes more vividly than others. Um, you know, when I received the award from the International Association of Blacks in Dance, I remember sitting at a table with a lot of the dance pioneers, my elders, you know, being acknowledged in that way, many of whom are no longer here. That's you know, right. I think of Elio Parmer, I think of Donald McHale, you know, I think of so many um, other progenitors that are no longer here that I had the opportunity to engage with. You know, I don't think I was thinking about being at the age I'm at now where they are no longer here. I never conceived that at that time. 
you know? So it's even more precious to me now because I had that reflection on it. Right. Because, you know, while we were dancing with them, they were bigger than life in our eyes, right? Because we used to idolize them. Absolutely. And rightfully so. We we saw, I I mean, one of the reasons why I started dancing is because I saw the Ailey Company do Rainbow Around My Shoulder. Mm, Donald McHale's piece. Donald McHale. So so not only did Alvin inspire me, but Donald McHale heavily inspired me because of his work. He didn't have, he had a company, but but, um, he disbanded his company eventually, but his work had an impact um, that crossed the ocean. You know, yeah. as a matter of fact, I stayed in New York after I saw Alvin Ailey performs. And I'm telling you, the pearly gates of dance haven't opened up for me. I was just like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The right? company, I mean, uh, you know, I think that um, what was so clear for me is that the company, Alvin infused the company with his passion for liberation and the company danced his liberation as well, wow. you know? Wow. And so, and they also danced their liberation. So there was great purpose in the work that was undeniable, which is why the company um, had the effect that it had on the world. Right. Because he was way ahead of his time, right? Yeah. It was completely inclusive. It didn't matter. The Alvin Ailey's company really didn't have no call or barrier. You know, I don't know that that was ever our issue as black artists. You know, right. I think that you know, um, I think the beauty that Alvin achieved is that his became more visibly renowned. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think if you look at some of the other um, black dance organizations that exist, or black dance artists that were producing work, we were never like you look at Catherine Denham's school, and and um, I think if anything, the company was all black because the environment would not let people integ- integrate. You know, but if you look at the Catherine Denham school, you saw half of Hollywood studying at her school, mm-hmm. black and white, you know, mm-hmm. so, so they know they knew where to go to get the goods. You know, my my uh, um, my mission is like, you know, just like I saw Alvin Ailey's his documentary. Right. And this is also one of the reasons why I'm doing this show, because I got so tired of seeing dancers not getting their due respect Um, uh, because, you know, look at your work ethics, what you had to do to, in order to get to the success level that you got. And um, when I was watching the documentary at the end, a lot of the dancers that they showed, they didn't give them the credit. And I was like, what do dancers, what do we have to do to finally get the darn respect that we deserve? You know what I mean? Give them the damn credits. I wish I had the answer to that, you know. I know. The only thing I, I think, I think that, you know, having been a dancer and being on the other side of performing now, um, it's just, a, it's just, thank God we do it because we love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank, thank God it feeds us um, enough to to get so much out of it if you really love it, because if you're looking for a claim, you know, I don't know if that's, that's, it may say, it still may take some time for Mm -hmm. that to be more distributed and more processed in a way where we honor the people who who have danced so brilliantly. Right. When dancers finally now got the respect that they're athletes. 
it's, it's definitely yeah that and you know some some forever, but finally <laughs> say what now <laughs> forever but finally yeah I think there's some there's definitely some progress being made um you know, most recently since the um it, it's a shame it takes these types of catalysts to be you know to for for there to be change but right. you know, the um with covid and the death of George Floyd all of the years of work that many dancers did to to create an environment of more equality, a more just and more um, equality-based environment, like the International Association of Blacks in Dance has existed for 30 years working mm-hmm. towards that effort. And certainly there were organizations before that. And it takes a George Floyd and it takes the, um, the, the circumstances on, inside of COVID for the industry to take a look at itself and say, hey, we haven't really been equitable ourselves. Yet, yes, we're creatives. Yes, creatives are supposed to be colorblind, but we have some issues inside of our field that we need to take a look at as well. And we have some issues as far as equitable funding um, that really needs attention. And so there was some time and energy given to that, spent on that in these in these last few years, which has made a difference for a lot of um, organizations of color. Now the key is, uh, will it be sustained? And how do we organize within our own organizations as well to, to sustain these, right. uh, these achievements? That's right. I, you know, um, I know you experienced this as well. I did, you know, the whole HIV AIDS epidemic yeah. time that we had lost so many of our peers, so many of, of so much talent that just got lost with that. And um, any thoughts on that? Because I know you lost some dancers from your company as well. Uh, you know, I think it was Aaron Duggar, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Aaron Duggar. Cheryl Burr adores, and by the way, Cheryl Burr adores you. <laughs> <laughs> I adore Cheryl Burr, and yeah. Cheryl and Aaron Duggar are the two dancers featured in Spike Lee's She's Gotta Have It. So I adore them both. They were such, they, well, Cheryl is a lovely person. And I just got to see her again most recently as we had um, a meeting on another topic, which was great. Um, And Aaron Duggar was the wind beneath my wings. You know, he was the, um, oh, he was such an angel soul. So there are some people that come to the planet who just have pure souls, that they're just good people. And when mm-hmm. people mention his name to this day, they smile. They smile, they light up. He was one of those angel souls. He was a brilliant, beautiful dancer and a beautiful human being, you know? And um, he, he just touched my life in, in a way that I will forever be um, indebted to him. You know, yeah. what I want to say is, is that his death was the first, um, was early in the um, HIV, it was a few deaths that affected me, like Carlos Mills, my board chair, um, John Smith and John Peel, my booking agents for, ju- for Jubilation, mm-hmm. um, Glenn Ford Good, a company member, beautiful company member with Jubilation, mm-hmm. Aaron Duggar, as you just mm-hmm. mentioned. And so I had to really... Um, apply the spiritual learning I had, because mm-hmm. I knew it intellectually, but when we started losing people, I had to really go in and fortify myself spiritually and really understand that though people leave the physical plane, that they we don't lose them in spirit. You mm-hmm. know? I'm mm-hmm. so clear about that. You That's know? right. 
because since Aaron's passing and since so many others that that passed from AIDS, um, I've, I've had to do that work to fortify myself so mm-hmm. that I can understand the continuum of life and not be caught up in the loss of the physical proximity. So mm-hmm. I feel their energy and I feel their spirit. And thank God I understand more about that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and the other thing that I want to say about it is that um, it's just so, so uh, what was really dis- just disgusting for me is um, the shame that people that was put upon people because of the illness. You know, I never subscribed to it because I was in a world where we had to love each other to get through it and we had to you know, pull together. But, but you know, just the politics around it and the social implications around it is just so dehumanizing and disgusting. Yeah. So on the other mm-hmm. side of it, I mean, we, we got to do better. We, we yeah. Just, just have to do better than that. Yeah, I, I, I know quite a few people that when they got their diagnosis, they literally saw it as a death sentence yeah. and literally just gave up yeah. and just dwindled away, you know. And uh, I also remember um, being on jobs and dancers coming by, Billy literally coming saying their goodbye. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, heartbreaking. But, you know, but... Right here, the epidemic, here we are again, having to deal again with losing so many people. Um, and then with that segment going in, 2020, it either revealed who you are or it exposed who you are. What did 2020 do for you? Wow, I think it returned me to what really matters in my mm-hmm. life. It's not that I ever left it, but I have to say I needed a break. <laughs> you know, I needed a respite. Yes. You know, and so I, I, I think that um, it gave me time to reflect on me. I think I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. You know, so, so that that was really incredible, and it also gave the org, me with my colleagues within Deeply Rooted time to plan without having to to deliver artistic product. You know. So it, it opened up a space for a respite. It opened up a space for reflection. Mm-hmm. It opened up time. I remember just having time to call friends that mm-hmm. I hadn't called in a while and sit on the phone for two, three, four hours and just be able to talk without worrying about the next day as much. Mm-hmm. You know? right. So, so I, I'm thankful for it in that way. Um, I think that what's certainly what's sad about what happened is that it, it's the severity of it mm-hmm. because we had such incompetent leadership in this country. I'm not a Trump fan. I have no um, reservation for for saying that truth for me. Right. I think that his presidency was very, very, very damaging. Mm-hmm. But I also think his presidency is a karmic result of what it is we created. And what That's it a lot is. that revealed, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, lock that, lock that reveal. So there's a blessing even inside of that, not because of him. That's right. You know, but because of the circumstances that we created in, in empowering him to become our president. I didn't vote for him, but he still became the president of the United States. United States. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Which of your many hats is your favorite hat to wear? Which is, that's a really good question. What, which of my hats are the favorite? I love, 
I think um, being in the studio creating is probably even more than putting work on stage. I would say being in process as a choreographer, being in process as a director, anything that's inside of the creative process where people are coming together to collaborate, mm-hmm. love it. You know, I just have the best time. And so all the some of the other hats I've taken on have been because I wanted to make sure that happened, that that was possible. So mm-hmm. I'm an executive director now because I wanted to make sure I could choreograph, I could hire dancers, I could have a, I could be engaged in a creative process that um, champions humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, or when you're dealing with the frustrations of being an executive director and saying, I don't know if I like this part so much, you, you do it because you love that other part. And you have no choice because you need that other part. Because you need that other part. Fortunately, I grew up in a business family. So um, my father had a dry cleaners. My father uh, and mother found a life for themselves despite the oppression in the Jim Crow South. They Mm -hmm. marched um, up north to to New York City from from Johnston and Aiken, South Carolina. And they created a life for four kids. with barely an education because they weren't allowed to get one right. in their in the communities that they grew up in in the South, you know, but they made that possible for me. So, so um, I had the education to be able to understand business. I had the exposure to understand what business, you know, what good business practices are. I mm-hmm. sometimes doubted myself because people that would always say, um, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing the, the business. And in some cases, I've seen in arts organizations where, you know, it's not a good mix for a certain artists to do the business unless they have the true ability to to do it and the passion to, to do it with um, effective, to be effective. Right. It's called show business, right? Yeah, it is. You better learn the business side as well. You sound like Bernie Johnson right now. You really do, because we we walked in the studio and that's what she said. You're not going to be here just learning the dancing. You're going to be learning the teaching. You're going to be learning the choreography. You're going to be learning customer relations. You're going to be learning how to handle money. You're going to be learning. She said it's just a show business and you're coming here to get to get a a good broad sense of what that is. And then well-rounded and walk out of here well-rounded. Yeah. There you go. Um, uh, did you, did 2020 make you reinvent yourself or? Uh, uh... I think it just um, returned me to myself. And what I mean by that is being an executive director, because I, I, a few years ago, probably about six, seven years ago, I decided to put the executive director hat firmly on and I really took off the artistic hat more and more because I had to focus on doing the executive piece really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so that had a toll on my artistic, like accessing my artistic side. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I, there were some years there I said, I'm not going to choreograph at all. I'll reset some works if somebody wants to, to um, commission one of my um, earlier works or more recent works. That's fine. But I didn't feel like I was in a space to create anything new, right? right? right. And that served its purpose, and I feel really good about that now. But now I'm on a trajectory where I'll be stepping down as a, as executive director 
within the um, not too distant future. And so my whole thing now is returning to my creative and artistic side. And I'm really excited about that. Um, and so that's what, that's what it did for me. That's what um, this, this, the, the, the time inside of COVID gave me time to reflect on how I would do that right. and how much I really needed to do it. Wow. And of all your pieces that you choreograph, which one are the standouts one for you that you're like, yeah, I did that. I did that. I think the ones that I enjoy people um, giving, uh, I enjoy seeing people watch because they, they, they tell me what they feel inside of it is um, Church of Nations is a work that, um, um, and it's also a very, you know, it was, it was a shift in my, in my approach and, um, and, and my, and it was just a shift for me choreographically. Another dance is Surrender. It's a trio for, for women. Um, I enjoy Surrender. Um, Flack is a special one for me because as a younger choreographer, it was a That was about Roberta Flack. Yes, it was to the music of Roberta Flack. Yeah. And she actually saw the work and fell in love with the work enough to, to say, I want to perform it with the company one day. And we ended up performing. Um, we did it here in Chicago. And we all did it in New York together, and it was just wonderful, oh. you know. So that has a special place in my heart. Flack is a hard work to reset now in this age, though, because you have to have dancers that understand that material because it's not. It is. Um, it's very. It's deceivingly physical, but mm-hmm. it's not um, virtual. It's not. It's not show off physical. It's really about you internal. Know, internal and you understanding your um, relationship to those characters and to really commit to that. So that's a hard one to set, but um, it's one of my favorite ones if you have the right dancers. Right. That's something um, very recently on um, Collage Dance Collective in Memphis. Um, I set a piece to uh, another Roberta, Roberta Flack piano um, concerto called Mood. And mm. That I had so much fun, and it's very um, balletic, but at the same time, I had so much fun exploring the story of just kind of taking the metaphor of the hoodie and what the hoodie rep, um, represents and how the hoodie could lead to one's death, mm. how, how a community feels about that inside of um, the community that was structured in the ballet. And um, so I just had a, a great time with that particular. I'm glad you said that because, you know, right now still, when my son comes home with a hoodie on, I'm like, are you seriously driving around like that? Don't do that. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's really sad, but we have to t- uh, teach our kids that. Yeah, we have to we have to help them um, understand how to survive, how to mm-hmm. thrive, to thrive and to survive inside of this um world that's right. and economy. That's right. Yeah. And any advice for upcoming Kevin Ayega Jeffs out there? Um, what would I say? Trust yourself. Mm. I would say really invest in um, your inner voice and understanding who you are in creation. I would say um, be humble, be mm-hmm. thirsty, be humble, be open. There are times when I reflect on my life and I, the only do over I would do is just to go deeper. You know, it's just to um, things that I wasn't as interested in. I would ask myself to be more interested, right. you know, to pay more attention. Right. Um, 
um, I would say. And the biggest challenge for me um, is to make sure I stay faithful in a world that often destroys faith. Right. You know? It's just to make sure, and I, and I have done that and I'm proud of that, but I know that because I, I, perhaps I expected the world to be better mm-hmm. in, its, in its behavior and its leadership and its choices, you know, it's, it's disheartening to me when I see um, how our systems of government and leadership are lying so much. I mean, blatantly lying, you know? Um, and not showing a spine. Say again? Not showing a spine at all. Not showing a spine or, or showing a spine of deceit and, um, and, and, and just inhumanity. In mm-hmm. uh, so we need, we need a lot of faith to counter that. That's you right. know, so just um, bask in the beauty of life. You know, no, no. Yes, we should be aware of the energies that are not so positive, but we mm-hmm. can't let them overwhelm us. You know, we can't, right. we can't let them inundate us. So, so stay focused on the light at the the light in the tunnel. You know, mm-hmm. know that the greatest power that you can possibly have is the power of faith. And don't forget the work you gotta put. In the work. Oh yeah. Say that it. is first yeah. and foremost. Say the work. One more time. <laughs> the work. That's right. <laughs> you know, you there's something. If I had one thing to say to this dance generation is like I had a, a talk with one of my beautiful children in dance who's dancing around the world um, in the LA company right now. And she said to me, um, she calls me daddy and we're really close. And she says to me that we all work too hard, that we all, um, that our generation took things too seriously and we just work too hard. And I said, "Mm, no, I don't agree with that. You know, I don't agree with that. I think that um, in order to dance in a way that makes it real for the audience, that makes it um, transcendent, for the transcendent for the audience, you've got to break through that wall that has you control your performance and manage your performance. You know, you have to be able to give it up every single night, even when you think your body can't do it. And the only way that you can do that is by breaking through the wall and riding that spiritual current in your performance. You can't go on stage and you can go on stage and say, okay, I'm going to make sure that this line is right. And that's well, too late. Too late. Know, it's too late, you know? And so um, I think that there are some things about the old school that I think needed to be let go and just kind of, you know, we can surrender those things. But there, But that about the old school, no, I think that, that that the old school had that right. Once you have your another t- thing, what I felt like about the old school, like when I was in New York, right? Big stars, you could sit with them because they would go to dance classes yeah. without any uh, ego. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there talking to you without any ego because they just felt like I'm an artist, you're an artist, we're all artists. It was mutual respect. There was none of that archery, that the archery, archery that's going on, yeah. right? You know what I'm, you know what I mean? That uh, that some people losing the hype, <laughs> you know. Instead of let's just do the work, you know what I mean, and just enjoy the work and the journey. Yeah, I think that you know the old the old school. Um, in that sense, there was a period where I totally agree that they were like that. Then then the, then the dance world began to shift, 
And I think there was a, a period of self-importance, you know, yes. and some of that, I think, um, entitlement and self-importance. But that's a reflection of society, though. Right. I think it's happening all over. Um, I can say this. I have encountered some incredibly beautiful young artists that see the power of the elders that came before them. They see what they were doing inside of their dancing, and they know that that that's a, a very fragile thing in this generation. Right. Not right. impossible, because this generation is extremely talented. They're no less talented than that generation, and they're probably right. more technically adept than that generation. Right. But well, they stepped up. Technically, they have stepped up and then some, technically. You know? But, yeah. but the, po- the poetry, the, the, the need to express, you know, the heart. commitment, the heart. Yeah, it's something that is void in this society right now, period. That's what Mm -hmm. I mean, being faithful to it, because we're being lied to and we're being told things um, that we're we're in places of achievement where we're not even in in that space, whether it's politically, socially, all those levels. And I think it it, it informs how we're behaving as artists, you know. I can say that there are some young power, young and powerful young people that are coming up that are stepping up to the plate um, and really paying. They may not be in some of the um, most known places in terms mm-hmm. of most visible places, but some of the places you have a few there, but you also have some that are coming up in places like Gail Scott Heron said. Um, the, t- the revolution will not be televised. Right, right. We have people that are working quietly in places, making some loud, wonderful noise and some beautiful work. Right, right. Well, you know, it's just like my opinion about this is like there's so much talent out there. There's so one, so many talent, so much talent out there that people haven't even heard of. Yeah, you know, because because of circumstances or because you know, you, you, whatever reason that is, but there's so much talent. So my attitude has always been like, "Oh, just sit down and relax, okay?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do because yeah, don't take yourself that serious because there's so much talent out there. Yeah, really. Just, right. to, just you just stay focused and you just do, you know, uh, uh, do your best. And 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 dance your dance your butt off, or perform your butt off. You know what I mean? That's really what it's all about. And then you can grow. You can grow as an artist. You can um, score as an artist uh, when you do that. Absolutely, totally. Yeah, yeah. And have I missed anything? Because this is your time. This is your moment. Have I missed anything that I asked you? Because please do. Uh, uh, this is. <laughs> You know, I, well, I, what I'll say to you, I'll just say thank you. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to share some of this journey together and to reconnect in the way that we are right now. How, mm-hmm. how, how beautiful is that? How special is that? That's right. You're a beautiful soul. You look beautiful. It's oh, wonderful to see you and to thank see you. here. Thank you. Know? So, so I, what makes you smile? What makes you smile, Kevin Ayega? makes me smile. Yes. Oh, I love to run my mouth and talk with beautiful people. So <laughs> this makes me smile. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really, um, I'm a collaborator. I'm a fellowship kind of guy. That's why I'm a dancer, because dancing is all about collaboration and fellowship. Um, I'm an energy guy. You know, mm-hmm. when I dance, I want to dance with good energy or committed, committed energy, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And so this really, this makes me smile. Um, being in commune, to be in community with people makes me smile. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been my honor and my pleasure. Mine too. <laughs> yes. Everybody, please like, subscribe, and, and I'm looking forward to sharing the next uh, guest to you and uh, hit the bell. And remember, do things that make you smile. See you on the next one. Never ever let life hold you down. Don't worry, be happy, down upside frown. Motivation, inspiration, uplifting and giving. Inspiration, motivation, it's your life, so keep living. Never ever let life hold you down. Don't worry, be happy, down, upside, frown. Tell me your story. Motivation, inspiration, uplifting and giving. Tell me your story. Inspiration, motivation, it's your life, so keep living. Young black girl on her own in a big city. In a big city. Young black girl on her own in a big city. Dealing with the odds. Dealing with the odds. Trying to make it on her own. Trying to make it on her own.